opportunity that we have to be able to worship your name. Father, I'm reminded where it says that if we don't cry out, even the rocks would cry out. And so, Father, we thank you that you are allowing us to gather tonight to cry out to you, to worship you. Father, we only want to trust in you. We only want to believe in you. God, you call us to praise you. And so we, we, we relish this opportunity to praise you tonight, God. So we give you our hearts. We give you our minds. We give you everything, everything we have to give. We give it to you tonight, God. Jesus mighty name. Amen. 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 You be seated if you would, please. Amen. Oh, isn't it great to worship together? Amen. I know we've been in the parking lot um, and that's great as well, but uh, there's just something special about being in the, in the church house. Amen. And I would not relinquish the opportunity to be the first one to preach inside of the building with human beings. I mean, you got to pull rank every once in a while. And so, you know, I, I can't remember, Pastor Todd might be able to figure out, but it's been a few years since I preached on a Wednesday night. Uh, years. I mean, it's, I, I bet you it's been at least three or four years since I preached on a Wednesday night. Uh, truth be told, uh, I was a little bit nervous tonight to preach. Uh, we have so much time to think about it before. I mean, Sunday morning, you wake up, you got your coffee, you're straight into it. Uh, Wednesday night, you got all day to think about it. And so uh, just kind of, you know, give me some soft amens. You know what I mean? If it seems like it's somewhat good, help me out, you know? I'm, I, thank you. I, I might be a might be a little Wednesday night rusty, so I'll need your guys' help tonight. Uh, you guys look beautiful, and, and it is great to see you. Um, it's just great. And I want to say welcome to the people that are watching with us online. Um, let you know that we'll hopefully be, Sunday we'll be sending out those 50 uh, tickets again. Uh, for those of you that are here tonight, I would just ask for you to pay attention to, you know, let the first wave for Sunday come before you jump in, and let's try to, you know, manage the process personally. If you know, late Saturday night, if you're like, hey, no one's taking them, I'm taking them, you know what I mean? But what we don't want to do is we don't want to, you know, because some people want to come inside and those type of things. So let's just be mindful of it. Amen. Amen. Um, but we welcome you online or watching. Make sure you share it and all those things. Let's, uh, let's pray over this message. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We think that it's alive and that it's active, that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, the people that are watching online, the people that are in this room, the people that will hear this recording, God, we pray that it would reach down to the depths of their souls. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Being Colossians chapter 3 tonight, um, we've been in Colossians on uh, Wednesday night, and so I'm continuing with Colossians. We'll be in verses 1 through 4. It says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You know, uh, this past Sunday, I talked a lot about dying. And so I didn't want to talk about that tonight. Uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But I believe that there's stuff that we can gather out of this scripture that will apply directly to our lives. And we can walk out of here 
learning something about the Lord. So let's just get straight into it. The first point I want to make about the scripture is this, is that if you're going to walk with Jesus, you have got to make sure that you are saved. You've got to make sure that you are saved. So in verse one, it says, if then, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which, which are above. And I got caught up on that. If then, if then you were raised with Christ. And I, uh, years ago, I preached a sermon called uh, the most powerful word in the world. And it was if and, and I love that idea of if. It's like, if then you were raised with Christ. If then you are a Christian. If, if, if. Were you raised with Christ? Were you saved? And this is a constant theme that you will hear throughout my preaching. And it's not because I want the saved questioning their salvation. It's because I want the unsaved to be saved. Yeah. And so sometimes people say, well, the pastor always talks about to question your salvation and, and, and people that are saved. When I hear somebody say that, I never think in my mind, am I saved or am I not saved? Cause I know I'm saved. I know I'm walking with Jesus. What I hope is that I hope that that lukewarm halfway, somewhat Christian who refuses to be fully submitted to the things of God will be challenged and say, you know what? I want to know that I'm saved. I want to know that I'm walking with Christ. The Bible says in second Peter one therefore brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Friend, these are not the times for going back. These are the times for going forward. We need to know that we know down in our no-no who we are and whose we are. Amen. Years ago, Pastor Birch said that you got to get it down in your no-no. Because if you no-no down in your no-no, you know whose you are. Amen? This is not the time for going back. These are the times for going forward. Amen? Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And again, it's not about walking around in fear. It's about walking so close to Jesus that when things are rotten all around you, you can rest assured in your salvation and nothing will bother you. And so even for the blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled, water bath baptized, tongue-talking Christian, it's good to get before God and say, God, I want to be diligent. I want to be so close to you that if anything happens around me, I don't even wonder because I know down in my no-no whose I am. Amen? Amen? I mean, let's be honest. I don't want to miss out on the things of God. I don't want to take it for granted. I don't want to take the things of God for granted. I think it's one of the things that, uh, that I've learned and we've learned hopefully during this time is that the idea of being able to get together and gather as God's people, too many people took it for granted. It took it for granted. It said, oh, it's not a big deal. Church will be there next week. You sure didn't think that in early in March when church was taken away. Amen. And, and, and we just can't, we can't live a life without knowing our full assurance because when we know our full assurance, we can rest assured. You stop striving. You stop wondering. You start knowing where you're going. I know Jesus and he knows me and we love each other. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the example of, of obedience. And I love that idea of diligence. And, and diligence is something that we should apply to all areas of our lives, but specifically to our spiritual life. Some people will say that any sort of striving is works-based salvation. But I don't gather that at all. What it is, is that I do not want to miss out on the things of God. 
I don't want to miss out on the visitation. I don't want to miss out on the healings. I don't want to miss out when that, that person gets saved. And, and so I'm, I'm diligent in the things of God. I'm diligent in learning his word and spending time with him. I'm diligent in protecting my life to not falling into disrepair because I do not want to miss the things of God. And that scripture in Hebrews says to be diligent lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. It's very easy to fall away from the things of God if you are not diligent in them. It's very easy. In the same way that you'll be diligent in an eating plan until you go away on a vacation. At the, at the, at the beginning of COVID, the first couple weeks, I thought, I thought, you know, I'm just going to take a couple weeks off because this ain't going to last long. And then I realized I've got to be more diligent. Here's what I want to know is what relationship flourishes when you take it for granted? Cause, cause we say we have a relationship with Jesus. But we treat Jesus with this double standard. We, we say, well, we, we don't have a religion. We have a relationship. And we use that as a means to say, well, 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 I have a close relationship with Jesus. But then when it comes to the basic tenets of what makes a relationship work, then people want to be all religious about it and say, well, well, why, why are you trying to make my relationship a religion? It's like, well, there's not an earthly relationship that exists that doesn't require some measure of work. And I don't care whether it's a spousal relationship or a friendship. If you're not investing in the relationship, it's not a relationship. You're just acquaintances. You know, my, my, my best friend that I had back in uh, fifth and sixth grade was this kid named Matt F. Now, back when I was a kid, every kid was named Matt F. They were named Matt. There was Matt H and Matt F and Matt S and I was Matt K. So me and Matt F were buds and we hung out a lot, fifth and sixth grade, riding bikes, you know, lighting fires and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, did I say that out loud? I mean, we were just hanging out riding bikes and, uh, you know, uh, Matt F ended up moving back to Maine and I think it was cause he fell in with the wrong crowd and, uh, he had to go live with his dad. And, and so we lost contact with each other. And as, as soon as the, uh, the internet started coming out, I, I searched for him for many years and then Facebook came out. I finally found him like 10 years ago. And, and I got him on the phone because I just wanted to talk to this guy who was my best friend in elementary school. And we had like the most uncomfortable, like 10 minute conversation I'd ever had in my life. And, and it, it, I was like, Ugh. and like, I was looking for some sort of connection point, but it was clear that my life had gone this way. His life had gone that way. We had nothing in common anymore. And it was clear to the surprise of me, he wanted nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, like, who would love to have me as a friend? You know what I mean? And so we are no longer friends because we never talk. We, we, we never, we never spend time with each other. I don't know anything more about where he lives or what he does with his life. We had one conversation for like 10 minutes that lasted that only time. So it's not fair to say that he and I are in relationship. There's a sermon in there somewhere. There's a sermon in there. Matthew 7, 13 says, enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Now, here's the thing is that I'm not exactly sure what the broad gate is, but I'm sure I don't want it. And I'm not exactly sure what the narrow gate is, but I'm sure that I want that. I, I've, and I've said it before, no one falls into the Grand Canyon from Texas at all. 
So you, the, the, the question isn't how close can I get to the line? The question is how far away can I stay from it? The question isn't am I close enough to Jesus? It's how much closer can I get? I mean, I, I, I mean, it's like the old joke that says, right? I want to be full, so, so full of Jesus that when a mosquito bites me, they fly away singing there's power in the blood, right? I mean, that, that, that's, I, I just want my life to be just completely immersed with the things of God. I want to be diligent. I want to be sure. Romans 6, 4 says we should walk in newness of life. Are you walking in newness of life? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Have the old things passed away in your life? Because people say, man, I'm saved and I'm a Christian now. But then you peel back the onions of their life and they're living exactly the same as they were before. They had one night and they had an experience. But other than that, nothing changed in their life. They're not walking in newness of life. The old things of their life have not passed away. Colossians 3.10. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. The new man doesn't want to do what the old man did. And so if you still desire to do what the old man did, you should wonder whether or not you put on the new man. And you say, well, does that mean I'm not saved? Well, I don't know. You can take that up between you and God. What I'm saying is the Bible says, put on the new man, take off the old man. And if you're looking for a way to discern about whether or not you're walking in newness, say, are my desires for the old stuff or is my desires for the new stuff? Do I desire the things of God or do I desire the things of the world? When the world starts taking things away from me, do I get upset, sad, and angry? Or do I get excited because that means I get more of Jesus? The new man doesn't want what the old man wants. And he doesn't do what the old man does. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. If you've been raised with Christ, then do the work necessary to walk with him. Be diligent about it. If then you were raised with Christ, that's what it says in Colossians. If then you were raised with Christ, walk in such a way. Have you, have you guys, uh, most of you in this room have had a job at some point, right? And, and, and when you had a job, you went, you applied for the job and then you, you went home and you said, man, I hope I got the job. And then the boss, the boss called you and said, Hey, I just want to let you know, you got the job. You told all your friends, you got the job. You were excited about the job. You're excited about the money from the job. You with me? And then on the first day of work, what did you have to do? Show up and work, man. You had to work. The, the point wasn't to get the job. The point was to do the work. Yeah. And so many people in their salvation, they say, well, man, why do I have to do all this work? You know what? If, if it feels like work, I'm not sure you put off the old man. Because if you put off the old man, the new man will want the things of God. The new man would devour the word. The new man would love to worship. The new man would love to fellowship. The new man would love to give and disciple. That's what the new man wants. And if you don't want that, man, you better check your man because you might be in the old man and not the new man. 
And so if you are saved, then you must seek the things of God. Seek the things of God. That's what, that's what it says in Colossians chapter, uh, chapter three. We're still, we're only on verse one. Let's go. (laughs) Colossians chapter three. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are, uh, which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. What are those things that you seek? I mean, and those are those reflective questions that we ask. What are the things that you desire and that you work for? Are you working for the accolades of the world and their possessions? Or are you working for the things of God? See, I've been pastoring long enough to see that the ones who seek after the things that are above have a different life than the people that seek after the things of this world. It's, it's amazing the the, the most uh, 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 beautiful Christian people are the ones that seek after God the most. Yeah. It's not the halfway, somewhat kind of take it kind of people. It's just not. Because you, you see these type of people and, and they can tell you the storylines of the latest television shows, but they can't tell you any stories in the Bible. Yeah. They can tell you a stock price, but they can't tell you a scripture address. They work hard to get money, but not hard to gain righteousness. They aren't seeking after God. They're seeking, but they're not seeking God. And then they expect that like, and they look at those that walk with God and they say, man, I wish I could have a relationship like that. And, but they're not willing to do the work necessary. And then dude, I I was lying up to this point, but I'm going to be honest. My wife and I got a great marriage and, and, and she'll tell you cause she's married to me how great it is. And, and throughout the, and, and throughout the years, people have said to us, they've said, man, what does it take to be a, to have a marriage like you guys have? And oftentimes I'm like, you know what, man, you're not willing to do the work necessary to kind of have the kind of marriage that we have. You, you want what we have without having to do the work necessary to get to where we are. You're not willing to be vulnerable. You're not willing to be honest. You're not willing to cry. You're not willing to sacrifice. You're not willing to go without. You're not willing to, to spend nights together and not go out and spend time with the guys. Like you're, you're not willing to do that. You want all of that and you want a marriage that flourishes and it just doesn't work that way. And I'm not, I'm not saying it in a prideful sense. I'm saying it's not rocket science, man. It's not at all. I don't have anything that nobody else can have. I don't have anything no one else can't have based on doing the work necessary to be able to get what it is. I wanted a great marriage. It's what I wanted. I've wanted a great marriage since I was a child, man. Like, like, and, and, and if you, and if you laugh, I'll kick you out of the church. But, but I, but I literally, like when I was a kid, I had a cabbage patch, cabbage, cabbage patch doll when I was in elementary school, because I so desperately wanted to be a father. I really did, man. And, and I didn't know that at the time, but I looked back on it because I just couldn't wait to be a father. I couldn't wait to be a husband. I couldn't wait to have this. And so my whole entire life moved towards this. And then you accomplish it. And people are like, man, it must be nice. Like, yeah, dude, it was nice. There's a reason why I saved myself until I was married. Because I was waiting for this all through high school and college. Come on now. Let's go. I don't have any hobbies. When churches shut down, I'm lost. Because I love the things of God, man. Some people are like, oh, great. I can go and do this. What? I don't know. And nothing against people with hobbies. If you have something great, I've just never like, you know, I did, I went water skiing before I got up and then I let go of the rope and I went into the water and like, you don't want to do it anymore. I was like, I did it. That was kind of fun. You don't want to do it again. I'm like, no, like I don't tie flies. I don't collect stamps. I don't look at coins. I don't hunt. I don't fish. 
I, I just, I love the things of God. That's what I do. And so you take away church and all of a sudden I'm just like, what do I do? Because I love being around God and the things of God. I've just been that way since I've been saved. Philippians 3.12, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of, for, uh, of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Friend, I am pressing on and I want you to come with me. I want more of Jesus. I want to experience more of his grace and mercy. I just want to go deeper into the things of God. The Bible says in Romans 8, 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And I know in my own life, when I begin to desire and work for the things of this world more than the things of God, I experience spiritual death in my life and I don't have peace in my mind and I don't have peace in my heart. But when I seek after the spiritual things of God, I sleep easy. When I seek after the things of God, I I rest assured. Seek after the world and you love the world and you follow the world and you wonder why you're empty. It's because you're carnally minded. Now, I'll tell you, I have never met a fully submitted follower of Jesus that isn't content. Yeah. Ever. Never one time. I never met someone say, well, you know, I just seem to serve God all the time and give him everything and love everybody and read my Bible and spend time in church. And I've never been more frustrated and angry and lonely. Come on. Come on. I've never met that person ever. Never. What I've met is the person that just loves the things of God and seeks after the things of God. And they've got better relationships and better jobs and better lives and better peace. And they just live a happier existence. Yeah. Yeah. Never the lukewarm, man. Never at all. Yeah. Often I see the lukewarm just spiritually dead. Yeah. Hebrews twelve two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We need to look to Jesus, seek after him. Hebrews 4, 9, 11. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God, for he has entered his rest, has himself also ceased from his work as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same disobedience. See, when you seek after God, and again, it's it's not a striving for your salvation. It's just a striving for more of God where you can enter into that rest where you don't feel like you have to strive anymore. You enter into this rest of just knowing who Jesus is and you're com- comfortable and, 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 and where you need to be with him. Diligence is a lost word in Christianity. See, people want simple truths without the deep paths. People want meme theology. That's what they want. They they want one scripture. They want the the scripture of the day. They don't want the book of the day. And and, and again, they, they don't understand why they can't fathom like, God, what am I supposed to do? And where am I supposed to be? And what am I supposed to be focusing on? Because they're not willing to take the deep paths. They want the easy paths. It doesn't work that way. No one reads your Bible for you. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What will be added unto you? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, long suffering. All those things get added into you if you would just seek God. If you just seek God. How much time do you spend on your knees before him saying, Lord, fill me? How much time do you spend just worshiping him and saying, Lord, I'm going to worship you until I weep. I'm going to fast until I, until I feel it. Like what's it, what's it take to get to that place? Cause, cause I'll tell you that, that in my life, I've seen that, that when I seek after God, those things always follow. But when I try to seek after the things, those things never show up because God wants me to give him my all to him first. Amen. 
I mean, what do you think about with your life? See, verse two and three, it says, set your mind on the things above, not on things of this earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When, when you are struggling, and I, and I want you to think about this in your own life. When you are struggling, where do you let your mind wander? Does your mind wander to the earth or to the heavens? Because the, the, the book of Colossians says that the path is setting your mind on things above. The path of Colossians does not say if you're going through it and you're struggling, if you're worried about what's going on, and I know that none of us have experienced an ounce of worry over the last four months, but if you know someone, you can share this with them. Dude, I'll be honest with you, man. I've given myself over to worry and doubt many times over the last four months. Worried about the church, worried about my paycheck, worried about whether or not I'm going to be able to get food, whether or not I'm going to die of an, uh, of an illness. I've had all those worries. You guys, probably not. But for me, I gave myself over to it at moments time. You get an amen, somebody? Okay. And so the, there was times when I'm going through it that I, you know, worried about it. So I did what any good Christian pastor would do. I went and I sought out news stories that would confirm my fears. I mean, I, I, I went directly to the earth. I set my mind on the things of this earth. You know, because there's, there's, there's a news story out there that tells you exactly what you want to hear. You just have to keep Googling it. And you'll find it, man. Promise you. There's a study. There's someone that said it. You're going to die by toothpick. I mean, whatever it is, right? And then I found myself. I said, you know what? Why am I even reading this trash? It's not making me feel better. It's not giving me the peace after that, that, that I so, so desperately want. How about I do this? Why don't I close my computer, open up my Bible and read what God says about my situation? Why don't I, why don't I think about heaven? Why don't I think about how temporary this world is, how temporary this life is, how worthless this life is. We are barreling towards eternity. And the, the, the writers of the New Testament made it clear. They said, you know what? You need to set your mind on things above, not on what's going on here. What's going on here is temporary. Seek the things which are above. I mean, literally, when was the last time you sat in your chair and said, I just want to spend the next 15 minutes envisioning eternity with Jesus? When's the last time you did that? You just cleared everything out and just like streets of gold. Man, I can't wait. I don't know what it looks like, but man, it's going to be nice. Crack crab buffet. Let's go. I don't know what it is. See, this is, this is, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 8, finally, brethren and sisters, I'm sure whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there's any virtue and if there's any praiseworthy meditate on these things. I mean, we have spent too much time thinking about the future. What are we going to do about the masks? What are we going to do about our jobs? What are we going to do about our money, our food, our life, football? Like what's going to happen? And, and then you focus on the things above and you realize that there's nothing that I have that they can take away from me. The things that truly matter. They're not taking my salvation. They're not taking my destination. They're not taking my spouse. They're not taking my kids and they're not taking you guys. And other than that, what do I need? 
What do I need? Because you know what? When I, when I was in quarantine, I didn't think like, man, I just wish I could go sit and eat a burger. No, I was like, man, I want to be with my people, yes. man. I want to be with the people of God. I, I, I need God's people. You guys are more precious to me. Uh, I, would, I would rather spend time in church than go out to eat for the rest of my life. And I mean that. I don't need to go out to eat. Crystal's a great cook. Amen. Be totally fine. You got to get in the game though. You got, honey, it's been so long since you were a sermon example. You know what I mean? Usually it's just like pow right there. You know what I mean? When we're out in the parking lot, she sits behind me. So I don't get to use her for a sermon example, but you got to get in the game. You got to get your mind involved. Because this, this diligence, this seeking, this setting your mind above, it's work. Yeah. It's work to take your brain and make it think about what you want it to think about. Yeah. Now, a thought might go in there, but you have to, you have to do what the Bible says. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity and make it obedient to Christ. I mean, I don't know, this is, <laughs> I got some wicked thoughts that go through my mind over the course of a week, you know, and, and those wicked thoughts come in and then I got to, I got to grab that thing. I got to make it obedient to Christ. And that's my job. I've got to bring that thing into obedience and say, you stupid thought. I'm going to make you think what I want you to think. I'm going to set my mind on things that are above. I'm not thinking about fear. I'm not thinking about doubt. I'm not thinking about worry. I'm not thinking about my future. I'm thinking about my my future with you, Jesus. I don't want to think about anything else. And I'm going to take captive every single thought. I mean, the Bible says in Romans 12 too, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Yeah. And then you see what's going on right now in, in the world and, 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 and people are like, oh, the churches and they're super spreaders and they won't wear masks and, and then they just ostracize us and everything else. Do you know that they hated us even more in January? Like they still hated us before then. They don't like we say about abortion and homosexuality and divorce and the way that we forgive people that don't deserve to be forgiven. They hate us for that. And and so what's changed? Nothing's changed at all. We be transformed by the renewing of our mind and we don't conform to the ways of this world. And then we learn what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. And again, my mind wanders. I have to work at this. I can get to thinking about something completely opposite to what we're talking about if I don't pay attention. And sometimes people at this church will know we'll be talking and my mind will just... It happens with my wife. It happens with the staff. It happens with my friends. And sometimes I just feel like... And I've come to the point now I just go, I wasn't listening. What did you say? I'm not, I'm not the one that tries to make it seem like, oh, and you pick up the tail end and kind of pretend like you were listening. Like, cause what'll happen is someone will say something. We'll be talking and they'll be like, yeah, so, and then there's nachos. And I'm like, nachos, man, and like cheese and like chicken and maybe some salsa and some guacamole. And, and I'm like gone. I'm like nachos. And then they're wah, 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 wah. And like, and that's when I found out that they begin to weep and I'm like, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. What did you say? <laughs> I mean, Crystal and I will watch uh, something on television and then I'll see something on the television. It'll take my mind somewhere else. And then I have to like bring it back. I'm like, you got to rewind. Were you not paying attention? No, I wasn't paying attention. It's 
my mind went somewhere else. Is anybody else like this? People, man. I mean, listen, just between you and I, man, sometimes I'll be listening to preaching and my mind will, everybody else will be like, hey, amen. I'll be like, hey, amen. I don't know what they're amen, but if they're amen and I'm amen with them, but my mind, it's gone. You know what I mean? I'm here all night, Joe. All right. Second Corinthians 4.18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You got to get that scripture down in your heart tonight, man. And I, I'm, I'm not, I, listen, I'm, I'm not a scientist and I'm not going to talk about data or anything else. But here's what I do know, man. Remember this. The media's job is to sell their media. Okay. Do not ever forget that. They are a for-profit company that gets money every time you click, read, and share. They do not, they, their, their goal is not the truth. The goal is to get you to read. Okay? So be very, very careful and diligent. But what happens is, is that we get so focused on the things that are seen instead of focusing on the things which are not seen. And, and the things are, and, and I truly believe this in my heart of hearts. Hear my heart on this, Okay? I believe that the people of God live under a special protection from the rest of the world. I really do. I I believe it in in, in a physical matter and I believe it in a spiritual matter. I believe it in a financial matter. I believe it in all those things. And people say, well, I know this believer that got sick and died or I know this person. Listen, I'm not saying that that, that there's not outliers, but but I've walked with God for many years. And you, you know, as interesting as this church back in 2008, People didn't lose their houses in this church. People that lost jobs got better jobs. <laughs> people people that, that, that everyone around them, things were going sideways and they were flourishing. And, and so I believe that people that are planted in the house of God will flourish. I really do. And, 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 and I just seen it over the last couple decades, man, the people of God always flourish. And so when you look at the things that are seen and everybody around you is in a swirl, what, what am I going to do? How am I going to live? What am I going to do? Like, I don't know about you, but I know that God is going to rebuke the devourer for my sake. I know that that's what his word said. I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to stay fed. My bills are going to stay paid and I'm going to flourish because I'm focusing on the things that are not seen, not the things that are seen. Because if we don't do this, we get so caught up in what the world does. But if we focused on the things of God, none of it would matter. None of it. Can you imagine, and, and, and I'm not a preacher that's like this, but if I was, I should become one because it would be very helpful to all of us. Years ago, it used to be in the church that people would preach against television. And they'd say, don't have a TV. And, and, and good old Pentecostals like Pastor Crystal, you'd always put the TV in the back room. We live next door to these Pentecostals when we were in Texas, and they were hardcore Pentecostals, like no makeup, wearing the dress, whatever. And you go into their front room, and they didn't, they didn't have a TV. And then at night, you'd see this glow coming from their back bedroom. You know what I mean? And I'd see them in the front yard, like, man, y'all's back room was glowing last night. Was that the Shekinah glory of Jesus manifesting? What was it? Man, y'all are holy. How do I get that in my house? But if we begin to preach against TV and internet and all that other stuff, how much happier would we be right now? How much easier would life be? 
Gosh, it'd be so much easier. We wouldn't even know. We'd still be having church. They haven't sent me anything in the mail. It's all been on TV. I, I, I've gotten one thing in the mail telling me what I should be doing. We'd just still be having church. Woo! Children's ministry going crazy. Think what's going on there? Haven't you guys heard? No, we killed our television years ago. <laughs> Everything on this side of heaven is going to burn. Everything. All, we'll have a TV burn this Sunday. Bring them down. Smash, smash. No, because I just started this new show called Alone. It's really good. So... Uh, <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moss nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. Friend, I have laid up so much treasure in heaven. There's so, there, uh, there's so much that, that, that I have laid up in heaven that, that whatever this world does, the world's going to do it. And I'm not going to worry about it, man. I, I know where I'm going. I know whose I am and I know what's waiting for me when I get there. Man, I've got treasures in heaven. Focus on that. Here's the last part of it. Colossians 3, verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. See, one of, one of the missing parts of Christianity, in addition to the lack of our diligence, is we do not talk enough about Christ's return. We really don't. And, and the early Christians lived with a constant expectation and immediate reality of Christ's yeah. imminent return. Yeah. And, and I don't, and, and, and I'm not saying anything against or for, but, but I'm not even talking about like reading the tea leaves and, and looking at revelation and trying to discern. I'm saying they lived with an expectation of Christ is coming tomorrow. Yeah. So I should be ready today. It, it's, it's not even a future thought. It's like, man, I am so ready for Jesus to return. And so what they did is, is that when other Christians would be downtrodden and they'd be worried or, oh, hey, my, my buddy got crucified by the Romans or I don't know what I'm going to do. They put their arm around like, you want pal? Jesus is coming tomorrow. Yes. Don't you worry. You think on that. Jesus yes. is coming tomorrow and you're going to be just fine because we're going there together. You say that to someone nowadays, like you're not connecting with my feelings. You're not validating me. I'm like, listen, man, Jesus is coming tomorrow. Okay. You're going to be just fine. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Friend, Christ is coming back. He will return for his church. He is coming as sure as we are standing here. I want to show you this. It's, it's in first Thessalonians, uh, chapter four, uh, first Thessalonians chapter four. It's up here on the screen. We're just going to read it. First Thessalonians chapter four for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, archangel, and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17. Then we who are alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Leave it on this verse. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. That's an exciting thing, isn't it? It's exciting to think about the rapture and to think about Christ's return and to think about what our lives are going to be. Watch this verse 18. Therefore comfort one another with these words. When you need comfort, be comforted with Christ's return. 
when you're worried about your future, be comforted with Christ's return. The Bible says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Friends, this truth should be a comfort to you right now because we're in the thick of it. The early Christians live with a daily expectation of Christ's return. They even quit their jobs. They quit their jobs because they said Christ was going to return. And then Paul said, hold on a second. If a man will not work, he will not eat. Why don't we just keep working while we're expecting Christ to return? We, here's the problem is we've been waiting so long. We think it's not going to happen. You think, you think like, well, you know, it's been 2000 years. Surely he's going to tarry for another 50. No, 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 no. Matthew 24, 44. Therefore you also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour. You do not expect now, is he coming right now? I don't know. But this is what I do know. He is not coming at a time that you would expect. If they, if, if they knew when the strong man was coming, they would have been prepared for him. And you say, well, you know, it's Friday night. I'll repent Saturday night and I'll go to church on Sunday. Jesus could come back Friday night. You know, I, I, went, to, I went to college, actually. I know that's surprising to some people. I've actually got a master's degree. Some people don't know that either. I dumb it down for you folks. All right. So uh, I dumb it down for myself so I can get it. Um, and we had this class in college. It was Old Testament, Dr. Frank Spina. And uh, he, we had to go through the whole like Pentateuch over the course of, you know, 10 weeks. And so every night we'd have to read like 25 to 35 chapters. And then he'd have a list of questions that you'd have to answer for all these questions. It was one of the hardest classes I ever took. I do like two to three hours homework a night just for that class. Now, what Dr. Spina always did, which was interesting, is that he would never tell you when he was going to collect homework. And so you only got three non-collection days. And so he would walk into the classroom and then everybody would be like holding their papers. And he'd be like, ah, let's not turn it in today. And he'd be like, oh my gosh, I did all this work. And he didn't collect the homework. So then what I, I mean, guys like me, I'm like, let me know, Lord. All right, is he collecting tomorrow or not collected? So I could go kick it and go hang out and not have to do my homework. And so then the next morning, go to class. He's like, uh, let's collect it today. I'm like, no, gosh, the, cause you only got three non turn ins. And so I would always like try to gauge it right. Like, oh, he didn't do it last time. So he's going to do it this time. He didn't do it for two times. He's going to do it. You could never figure out this guy's pattern of how he did it. So I was the guy that always early in the quarter had missed the three non turn in days and then had to do it every single time. What's the point of that story? You could never figure it out. You just had to always be ready. <laughs> That was the only option, man. Revelation 1, 7, behold, he, Jesus is coming with clouds and every eye will see even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Friends, this is a truth, one for us to hold on to, to believe, but you have to reflect on it. You have to envision it. You can't just, you can't hear something like this and, and hear the Bible say, comfort each other with these words. And the next time that you have a struggle tomorrow that you think to yourself, you know what, man, on my break today, I'm going to go sit out in my car and I'm going to reflect on heaven. I'm going to reflect on Christ's return. I'm just going to picture what it's going to be like. Woo, just like coming up and, ah, you know, like I want to think about that. I want to see what that looks like. A constant thought and reminder of Christ's return should encourage you during the hard times. First Corinthians fifteen fifty two. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. Amen. 
Luke 21, 36. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things which will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Friend, these are encouraging times. There's never been more encouraging times. We've been waiting for some of the promises of the Bible to be fulfilled for thousands of years. I believe that the church is moving into the best time that we've ever seen in our lifetime. Everything's going to be shut down and the church is going to be the only thing that's going to be open. And people are going to find the center of what they've always been looking for. They're going to find that peace. They're going to find that love. They're going to find those relationships. They're going to find that joy they've been looking for. And so it's on us to be ready when those people come in and they're like, what is this joy that you have? I'm going to comfort you with your future, friend. I want you to go with me to be with Jesus. Amen. So Colossians chapter three, let's end with this. Make sure that you're saved. Okay, be diligent about it. And if you are, then seek after the things of God. Set your mind on those things. You control your mind. No one else. Set your mind on the things of God and eagerly expect Christ's return. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? I can say this. But I will say it nonetheless. If you're watching tonight or if you're in this room and you are not a Christian and you would like to become one, I'd like to ask you to raise your hand right now and say, I want to become a Christian. Becoming a Christian is quite easy. You just say, I don't want my sin anymore. I don't want to live for my sin. I want to put on the new man. I I want to live a life for Jesus. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Father, forgive me of my sins and let me live for you. If you've never made that decision before and you'd like to make that for the first time, I want you to raise your hand right now. If you're watching online, I want you to raise your hands to the heavens and say, Lord, forgive me, save me, fill me. And he will. And if you make that decision online, I want you to reach out to me so that I can get you some information, get you connected. Father, thank you for this word, Lord. God, the most important part to me tonight is this, Lord. I just want us to focus on your return. I want us to set our minds on that, to comfort each other with that, of your imminent return. God, I pray that it comes before we even leave this building tonight, Lord. Come back, Lord. Deliver us from this evil age. Deliver us from this time. And Lord, if if you see fit to tarry, God, prepare our hearts for the, for the unsaved, for the lost that come that are going to need this truth, Lord. Father, keep us here as long as you need to get as many people as you can into heaven. But if not, if not, Father, take us home. Take us home today. Let us live with that reality, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Hey, I want to thank you guys so much for coming tonight. It's a nice night tonight. So let's, uh, let, let's, uh, let's fellowship outside afterwards. You know, let's not stay inside longer than we need to. And we can stand out in the parking lot or... I know that some of you might need to sit for a little bit. And if you need to, that's okay. But for those of us that can, let's fellowship outside. Just kind of clear the air. Okay, we don't want to stay in here any longer than we need to. Praise God that this happened. Amen? Amen. Amen. We'll see you all Sunday. Have a good night.